time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Wednesday, April the 13th, 2022, and poof, we are halfway there, halfway to not only our weekend, but the Triduum, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Praise be to God. We have a great show lined up for you today. In fact, we're going to be uh, talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is biblical typology, something I used to spend a lot of time on, actually. Haven't in uh, recent years, but uh, my good friend Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, the Dynamic Deacon, is going to be joining us at 35 past the hour. I wonder, dear listener, have you ever heard of the Passion of King David? I'm curious if you knew about this or not. You know, but uh, there are some great parallels in the Old Testament between King David and our Lord when it comes to his Passion. And uh, we're going to be talking about that, biblical typology, especially in light of Holy Thursday, which is tomorrow, of course, with Deacon Haraldberg's service coming up at 35 past the hour. Lots of news, and of course, we're going to be covering today. The report came out yesterday, 8.5% inflation soaring off the charts. It came out yesterday, not just because of gas prices, though. Uh, poultry, fish, and eggs up 13%. Fresh fruits up 10.6%. Vegetables are up 4.3%. Your favorite prepackaged cereal, all sugar all the time, is up 7.7%. So it's uh, getting real, for sure. Skyrocketing, record-breaking inflation is, is a real thing. Comedian Gilbert Gottfried passed away, 67 years old. If you're my age, you probably know who that is. And, uh, of course, there was that terrible story of the New York mass shooting uh, yesterday, but uh, so much of the news to cover. Good morning to Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, there really was a lot of news. For, yeah, uh, <laughs> lots to cover. A Tuesday, for and sure. You know, sneaking in there, uh, Biden is pushing for the federal vax mandate still. Yeah, so the uh, the court dismissed the, uh, I think, the, the injunction. So that's going to go ahead now. Yeah, sad, yeah, isn't it? Really sad. There's also a lot of—I was just watching another story about uh, the violence in, in Jerusalem and in Israel. There, that's been heating up over since March. It's been getting very real. Many people have been murdered there. The, the Israeli government's responding in kind. I mean, it's, it's getting very serious. Lots to pray for in that regard as well. But um, I'm excited. We're going to have a, a good, fun, biblical typology type of conversation today. Me too. We were talking. We're kind of talking about that off air yesterday. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Well, speaking of types and anti-types, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to Adrian. Good morning. Am I a type or an anti-type? Mm, gentleman's choice. Uh, I'd rather be an anti-type. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Praise be to God. There you go. <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to explain that then. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to do that later. <laughs> later with. Uh, with the good deacon Harold Burke Sivers. No, but praise be to God, it's good to be here. Is it? It is. It's a Tuesday, it and it's a holy Tuesday. Uh, or is it Wednesday already? Is it Tuesday or it's Wednesday? Wednesday. See? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's like, uh, oh my goodness, Captain, uh, what a week. It's uh, Captain, it's only Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. Love that meme. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to the, the weekend. I'm going to try to make it out 
to uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm going to try to make it out to Louisiana Ooh. for the uh, Triduum so I can go to either the pre-55 liturgy with the Institute of Christ the King or to New Orleans where they're having a massive Good Friday procession. So really? we'll see what ends up happening. That'll be cool. Is it Orleans or Orleans? Orleans. Uh, Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans? You got to say it really quickly, I guess. New Orleans. New Orleans. I don't there know. Somebody go. in the audience will have to correct us on that. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you're watching us live on our on our one of our streams so you can comment on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. All of those are linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Can I thank Lisa Squibbs and family? God bless you guys for taking today to pray, to fast, to do penance on our calendar. And uh, r- just a reminder, Lisa emailed me. She asked me to ask you, dear listener, to pray for the repose of her father, Michael Garut, who died suddenly on Saturday. So please keep Michael Garut in your prayers today. Let's begin with our Golden Arrow prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, April 13th, and these are your headlines. The Hill reports NYPD identifies person of interest in New York City subway shooting investigation. The New York Police Department Chief Chief Detective James Essig told reporters on Tuesday that authorities are trying to locate Frank R. James, who's 62. At least 23 people were injured in Brooklyn on Tuesday when a gunman opened fire in a Manhattan-bound subway car. The suspect also opened two canisters and dispensed smoke throughout the car. Now, this part wasn't in the article over at The Hill, but according to journalist Andy Ngo, he says, quote, I looked into his social media. Like the Waukesha suspect and the Louisville BLM activist who allegedly tried to assassinate a mayoral candidate, he appeared to be a fan of black nationalism, end quote. You can see the thread over on his Twitter account. The Daily Wire reports consumer prices soar 8.5% in March, the highest hike since 1981. The CPI leapt 8.5% from a year ago, according to a Labor Department data uh, released yesterday. Taking out food and energy, the CPI still increased by 6.5%. The cost of meat, poultry, fish, and eggs is 13% higher. Fresh fruit has gone up 10.6% in price. And prepackaged cereals and baked goods has increased 7.7%. The Washington Examiner reports U.S. to send another $750 million in military aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration has provided $1.7 billion in assistance throughout the first week since Russia invaded, and it will soon authorize another $750 million later this week. This round of aid will be funded using the Presidential Drawdown Authority, which permits a president to authorize the transfer of articles and services from U.S. stocks without congressional approval in response to an emergency. And Epic Times reports Facebook silent on FBI informants using platform to push Whitmer kidnap plot. Last year, Zuckerberg testified that Facebook was cooperating with law enforcement to apprehend the men who allegedly tried to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. The kidnapping plot trial in March revealed that some suspicious activity on Facebook was conducted by FBI informants. A Grand Rapid federal jury has since acquitted two of the accused plotters, agreeing with their their defense that the FBI incited and entrapped them. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Pope St. Martin and St. Hermagild. 
Pope St. Martin I was elected pope in 649. Martin I had gotten into trouble for refusing to condone silence in the face of wrong. At that time, there existed a popular heresy that held that Christ did not have a human will, only a divine will. This was condemned at a council convened by Martin I, and the council affirmed once again that since Jesus had two natures, human and divine, he had two wills, human and divine. The council then went further and condemned Emperor Constans, who edict to remain silent about the controversy, stating, The Lord commanded us to shun evil and do good, but not to reject the good with the evil. In his anger at this slap in the face, the emperor sent his soldiers to Rome to bring the pope to him. When Martin I arrived in Constantinople after a long voyage, he was immediately put into prison. There he spent three months in a filthy freezing cell where he suffered from dysentery. He was not allowed to wash and was given the most disgusting food. After he was condemned for treason without being allowed to speak in his defense, he was imprisoned for another three months. From there, he was exiled to Crimea, where he suffered from famine. But the hardest thing was that the fact that the Pope found himself friendless. His letters tell how his own church had deserted him and his friends had forgotten him. He died two years later in exile in the year 656, a martyr for, for whom he stood up for the rights of the church to establish doctrine, even in the face of imperial power. St. Hermengild was the prince of Visigothic Spain and a martyr. He was a son of Leo Vegald, the king of Spain, and was raised as an Arian. His wife converted him from that heresy, and he rebelled against his father, but was defeated in 584 and exiled. His death was later celebrated as a martyrdom because he was a Catholic martyr rebelling against the tyranny of an Arian father. When Hermengild refused to accept Arianism, he was imprisoned in Toledo, and during his captivity in the Tower of Seville, an Arian bishop was sent to him for Easter, but he would not accept the Eucharist from him. King Leovagald ordered him to be beheaded, and he was executed on the 13th of April, 585. Pope St. Martin and St. Hermagald pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Real quick, Kim Sunderman, happy birthday to you. Thank you for being one of our... CDT Insiders and Guadalupe Radio Network supporters, we're very, very grateful to you. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 25. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that time on he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time draws near. In your house I shall, ce I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to him one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, 
as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, said in reply, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get the difference? The the apostles are, surely it is not I, Lord, but Judas calls him Rabbi. Clear distinction. That detail is there for a reason to really give us an understanding of the mind of Judas and really where he's at. St. Leo the Great said, quote, the impious wretch did not betray his divine master out of fear, but out of avarice. Of all passions, the love of sordid lucre is most vile, and the avaricious soul does not fear to plunge herself into the bottom of hell for a trifling gain. There is no vestige of honor or justice or probity remaining in the heart of that man who is possessed with the love of based lucre, whose God is his money. The perfidious Judas inebriated with his, with his passion while he thirsts again, uh, sells with the most foolish impiety his Lord and his master, close quote, St. Leo the Great. The love of money sends many to hell, doesn't it? The love of money, the love of self, the love of the flesh. These are things that are so grave in so many souls, as Our Lady has told us, as Our Lord has told us, so many souls go to hell for these very, these very grave sins. Uh, here's a very interesting, nothing to lose. This was a commentary out of Haydock's uh, work today. He says, he, meaning Judas, sells him for the paltry consideration of 30 pieces of silver, the price of a common slave, as in Exodus 21, 32. It is probable that even the obdurate heart of Judas would not have betrayed his master to the Jews had he not expected that Jesus would escape from their hands on this occasion, as he had done at Nazareth, and in the temple. Close quote, Hadock's commentary. I find that fascinating. I mean, is Judas thinking he's got nothing to lose here, only to gain? I'll get the 30 pieces, and Jesus will just do what Jesus always did when he was pressed, you know, at the cliff. They were going to throw him over. They were going to stone him. They were going to arrest him. And many times, he simply escapes from their capture. He either, you know, hides himself from them, either visually or in the crowd. I don't know. I would love to know that, actually. But either way, he just expected. He just assumed. You know what they say when we assume things, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know the saying. We should never assume and presume upon God's behalf. These are dangerous and bad things, and that did not end well for Judas, who hung himself after this account. So much more to share. We'll do more of that in the next hour. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. This Holy Week, let us slow down and focus on our Lord's passion through the eyes of Mary. Our Blessed Mother knew Jesus from his miraculous birth to his sorrowful death. The prophecy of Simeon predicted that Mary's own soul would be pierced with a sword, and how quickly the crowds turned from welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to condemning him to death. We reflect on the fear Mary must have had hearing the crowds cry out, Crucify him! Mary sees her son take up his cross and fall three times as she stands distressed, unable to help him. Our Lady watches as the robe she made for him is ripped from his flesh. 
Mary was the first one to hear Jesus say, I thirst, and now she hears him cry out these words from the cross. Morning, she receives her dead Jesus from the altar of the cross. She buries in death the son she gave birth to. O Mary, renew your motherhood to us now and at the hour of our death. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Did you know that well before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went out from the upper room across the Kidron Valley, climbing the mountain, and his agony begins, sorrowful, as he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, well before that ever happened, King David did that. Very same thing. At night. In sorrow, his own passion. We're going to talk about the parallels and the typology, types and antitypes in Scripture, and what it means, especially in light of Holy Thursday coming up tomorrow. That's coming up at uh, 35 past this hour with Deacon Harold Burke Sibber. So stick around, that's coming. It's going to be good. There are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure, I'm sure they are to you. Praise be to God. This is something that broke yesterday while we were still on the air. Uh, this was a story that came out. At the National Catholic Register, it says, Breaking, International Coalition of Bishops offers fraternal letter of concern to German episcopacy over synodal path. Over 70 bishops from four continents warn that heterodox German reform efforts risk fracturing church unity, adversely impacting the church globally. Now, this is a very interesting story. There's been an attempt of, of this nature before, but not at this level yet. There are, as we said, uh, over 70 bishops. And in fact, many here in the United States, but not just here. It's, it's all over the world. And if I go through, when I go through this article, I find it very interesting. It says, currently, the letter's 74 signatories include 48 Americans, including seven archbishops. Um, but what's most interesting to me is that people are adding their names to it all the time. So it's getting a lot of momentum at this point. And what is it they want? They want an end to the shenanigans in the German Senate, which is clearly trying to promote anti-Catholic teaching, heterodox, heresy, and the rest. We've discussed this a number of times on this program, and uh, I find this very fascinating. But one of the aspects of this article pointed out that these bishops feel that this is a help to Pope Francis, who has himself written a letter to the German bishops and warned them of these same grave errors. Well, these bishops are saying their letter should be a tool for the Pope to actually take more decisive action here. So let's pray that that's the case. But let me give you a case in point. Here's another article over the National Catholic Register. It says, for Catholics concerned about Germany, what's happening in Botzing's Limburg offers a case in point. The article says, the focus is too much on homosexual men. That's a quote from Eric Tilch at a panel discussion in Frankfurt last Wednesday hosted by the Diocese of Limburg. 
the bishopric headed by Bishop George Batzing, president of the German Catholic Bishops' Conference. But Tilch, a church youth education officer, wasn't protesting against the homosexual agenda or seeking to uphold the church's teaching on marriage and the family. Rather, he was proposing the church accept other forms of love. This is a quote now, quote, other forms of love that are still in the dark, close quote, according to an article on the panel posted on the Dossison website, going on to say, quote, I worry that the church is too attached to a family photograph from the 1950s, i.e. father, mother, child, close quote, said Tilch, going on to say, quote, there is so much more than that. For example, hybrid families, changing relationships, polymorous love, in other words, multiple sexual partners, close quote. He also wanted transsexual and intersexual people to be given more attention in public discussions. The panel discussion was called, quote, out in church, close quote, after a recent initiative of the same name in which 125 homosexual priests and employees of the Catholic Church in Germany called for a called for more LGBT rights in the church and complained about discrimination and other experiences in the church. The initiative was made public January the 24th in a documentary also called Out in Church, broadcast on ARD, one of Germany's main television channels. Tilch was one of the employees who appeared in the documentary, along with another panel member, Stefan Diefenbach, a former religious, now civilly married to another man. Also speaking on the panel were lesbian couple uh, Bettinia, Offer and, Bettinia and Gabriel, both lawyers and active in Limburg Parish. And then Petra, who sits on the board of the German Society for Trans Identity and Intersexuality, and Professor Liva, a biological male transsexual. I wonder, was there anybody on this board who represented the church's time and, you know, immemorial teaching on the dignity of the human person and gift of human sexuality? How in the beginning God made them male and female? I wonder, was there not a single person, maybe the bishop perhaps, stood there to defend church teaching, which is by default a part of his job description. It's not only defended, but to teach it, to go and make disciples of all nations. I'm just curious, not one mention of a person on that side of the equation. The article goes on to say, their comments opposed both the church's moral teaching and Christian anthropology, and yet were published without criticism or correction on the website of the Limburg Diocese. Now, maybe you're saying, but Joe, I kind of agree with him. I think this is a good thing. It's more inclusive. We'll just be more welcoming because we used to never be welcoming. Okay, it is not charity to pretend as though mortal sins are somehow okay. That is not charity. That is not good. It is not good for them. It is not good for the church. It's not good for society. It is good to embrace people, meet them where they're at. But our job is to take them where they got to go. It's not just to leave them there, leave them in the muck and the mire, to pretend as though these things are okay. That is not good for anybody, anywhere, at any time. And so to leave these things out there without criticism, without correction, without even a charitable response is not a good thing. Article goes on to say, in an, in an article written by staff writer uh, headlined, The Church Should Lead with the Rainbow Flag, uh, the author, her name Annie, wrote that Out in Church was well-received, and that since its airing, 
The Diocese of Limburg had ruled that its regulations connected to the sexual preference and marital status of employees, quote, no longer apply, close quote. She also wrote that since February the 18th, the diocese had instructed that employees of the same sex can civilly, quote, marry, close quote, without sanction. Well, here's the deal. All the panel's speakers said much had happened since the documentary aired, but they wanted even more changes. Diefenbach called for revisions to the catechism of the Catholic Church. While acknowledging that such a goal would be a challenge, Weitzel asked that children of kindergarten age be, quote, taken seriously if they make it clear early on that their feelings don't match their biological sex, close quote. Golly gee whiz, I wonder who's asking kindergartners to even think, contemplate, discern, ponder what their feelings are about their biological sex. I want, hmm, let's see. Could it be their teachers? I mean, what happens to your kids when you send them off to school? These days, who knows? This is why parents are standing up and fighting for uh, having a right to be, as the catechism says, the primary educators of their children. It ain't the bishop. It ain't the parish. It ain't the school. It's parents, as according to the catechism of the Catholic Church. Article goes on to say, she also argued that, quote, intersex children, close quote, those who claim to be born with a reproductive or sexual autonomy that doesn't fit definitions of male and female should still be baptized. Because now we're going to dictate to Holy Mother Church who gets to be baptized because we want it our way, right? The old Frank Sinatra thing. That, that worked out well, I'm sure. Article goes on to say, since 2021, doctors have been banned from performing corrective surgery on children born without a clear sex, even if their parents wanted it. Weitzel said she wants such children to grow up without a clear gender so they could later express themselves. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're not going to grow up, uh, you know, confused or or nothing, right? I mean, I'm sure sure they'll be well-balanced adults by that point. Diefenbach said he wished the Vatican would not, quote, shoot itself in the foot, close quote, and, quote, once again make authoritarian decisions, but instead remain in dialogue with everyone and realize that there is no one truth, close quote. I'm here to tell you, there is one truth. That is a person. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. There is no one who comes to the Father but by me. Those are the words of our Lord, who is God, the second person of the Trinity. And if he is right, it has a drastic implication on everything we know and believe and understand. If he is wrong, then the whole thing is wrong. Everything is wrong. It is hinged upon that. Do you understand? He is truth itself. So anybody in this church who's trying to argue that there is no one truth is clearly not on the same side. This is someone who would call our Lord rabbi, for instance, instead of Lord, as we saw on the Gospels today. The 11 call our Lord Lord because that's who he is. And then the one, Judas the Iscariot, calls him rabbi, just a teacher. You know, hey, some teachers are right and some teachers are wrong. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Truth, truth, it is a person, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as Hebrews says, and as I say, St. Paul wrote in Hebrews, but what do I know? Article goes on to say, Offer agreed 
saying the church must, quote, finally understand that look at, uh, says, look at what the, quote, designer who calls himself God, close quote, has created and integrate all, quote, colorful things, close quote. <laughs> Boy, do you, do you love that? Go, this designer who calls himself God. No, he is God. And we owe him, you, I, we all owe him what is due to him, which is adoration, worship, and who, and who he actually is, God. We can't just pretend and throw these uh, little chide remarks at him like that. That's just horrible. Article goes on to say, quote, I actually expect my church to grab the rainbow flag and lead the way instead of lagging behind, close quote. Offer said her lawyer, wife, in parentheses, in, in quotes there, Gabriel, argued that more needs to be done so all church employees can have legal security. Tilch did not want to stop there and demanded that the church not only speak more openly about sexual preference, but also about sexual sexuality in general. Quote, even if this means putting up with some deciding against a traditional stable relationship, close quote. Boy, do you see what they're doing here? They don't want anyone to tell them about anything in their sexual behavior. But this is the thing, though. Then go do whatever it is you feel like you're inclined to do. The bishop isn't going to show up at your house and call the cops on you and stop you. That ain't going to happen. The priest ain't going to do it. No one in the church is going to do that. So why is it you feel the need to leave your perverse little world and then come to the Catholic Church and force us to somehow accept this and have to go along with this? You could go and join a number of other uh, Christian-like you know, denominations or, or sex or whatever that would all accept this behavior as normal. Why do you feel the need to force the Holy Catholic Church, the one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, to pretend as though this is okay? Call to action. Send this to your local bishop and uh, tell them they should sign on to the document with these other great bishops. Exactly. This is why these bishops from all over the world are begging Rome to take decisive action and begging these bishops in Germany to stop these shenanigans. Let's pray for this. We'll be right back. More breaking news and stories in Deacon Harold servers is coming up next. Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. When Jesus arrives at the tomb of Lazarus, Mary, his sister, kneels before Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus was friends with Lazarus and his sisters. When he sees her weeping, he is moved, and the gospel tells us Jesus wept. Those two words are the shortest sentence in the gospels, Jesus wept. We see the human side of Jesus joining in the sadness and loss of his close friends. Lazarus represents each one of us, and we too are called to come out of the tomb of sin and death. The story of Lazarus prefigures the resurrection of Jesus at Easter, but it also points to our baptism. As St. Paul says, we were buried with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too might walk in newness of life. This is Matt Maloney for knowthefaith.net. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. LifeSite News reports over 70 bishops warn German bishops that synodal path will lead to schism. The fraternal open letter released yesterday on Catholic News Agency is addressed to our brother bishops in Germany and warns that bishops that Germany's synodal path is not limited to one country but will have implications for the church worldwide. While noting that the letter was only a brief summary of the many issues, the signatories highlighted seven key problems with the synodal path. <laughs> Firstly, they undermine the credibility of church authority, as well as Catholic sexual morality and even the reliability of scripture. Axios reports, Axios Ipsos poll says most Americans say COVID is no longer a crisis. Less than one in 10 Americans now describe COVID-19 as a crisis, with about three in four calling it manageable, and one in six saying it's no problem at all. The Verge reports CNN Plus is reportedly drawing fewer than 10,000 viewers a day. Reuters reports Biden taps ethanol to help lower fuel prices as consumer inflation surges. The measure will allow Americans to keep buying E15, a gasoline that uses 15% ethanol, from June 1st to September 15th. While E15 is only 10 cents cheaper on average and less energy dense, meaning drivers would need to buy more fuel, it should still help lower expenses, a senior administration official told Reuters on Monday. And the AP reports South Dakota Attorney General impeached over a fatal crash. The South Dakota House voted to impeach State Attorney General Jason Ravensburg over a 2020 car crash in which he killed a pedestrian but initially said he might have struck a deer or another large animal. The Highway Patrol concluded that Ravensburg car, Ravensburg's car crossed completely into the highway shoulder before hitting Bavare, and criminal investigators later said they didn't believe some of Ravensburg's statements. And those are your headline news this morning. Good morning. Uh, God love you. Praise be to God <laughs> in all things. We're so close, Rudy. So we're, close. We get so coffee close. back. We're going to get sweets back. I need the sugar. Praise be to God. <laughs> Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now via Zoom chat is the one and only dynamic Deacon, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Good morning to you, Deacon. Praise be to God. Your your audio is a little low. Hopefully we'll get you get that settled. I wonder how your Lent is going, Deacon. I know you've been busy again, but... We're only days away. Is everything, uh, have your penances gone as planned? Uh, yes, I've been traveling uh, quite a bit, which is, uh, which is great to be back on the road again. But um, uh, yeah, the penances have been going very well. It's hard to keep uh, your penances yeah. when you're traveling, though. I'm going to be honest. I, was, I, speak, I spoke in Buffalo a few weeks back, and man, the temptation to just pound some coffee was like, Oh man, I was having to say, get be thee behind me, Satan, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, a penance would be drinking coffee. Since I, <laughs> since I don't drink it, but uh, yeah, but it's but it's been it's been good to be back out again and, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, with uh, with people all over the country. You know, I wanted to get you on because we tomorrow is Holy Thursday, and uh, the Upper Room and the Passion of Our Lord begins and. And we had a great conversation on mo on Monday with Rod Bennett, and he had this this book out, where he's sort of looking at the Gospels from a different perspective, and it was very fascinating. And I, I thought, man, it would be fun to have a conversation with Deacon about biblical typology, because I think most Catholics probably aren't really all that aware of biblical typology, and in particular, I love the the, the parallels between the Passion of King David and the Passion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I think it's mind blowing, but Maybe you can start with, what is biblical typology? 
So biblical typology is um, how things in the, well, back up. The, the catechism talks about the different senses of scripture, right? So there's the literal sense and there's the spiritual sense. So the literal sense of scripture means things like, um, like archaeology and language, um, uh, you know, different ways that we're able to understand uh, how a writer was expressing himself, right? So, so um, uh, you know, through syntax and grammar and those kinds of things. And then there's the spiritual sense. And there's, so that, that tells us how, what God is trying to say through that text. So there's, there's, there's three types, there's allegorical, um, tropological and anagogical, right? So allegorical would be typology. So how images and in the Old Testament point toward its fulfillment in the New Testament. So for example, uh, crossing the Red Sea in the book of Exodus would be like baptism in the, in the New Testament. You know, you're crossing from, from slavery into freedom. And in baptism, we go from the slavery of sin to the freedom of Christ. I love this. You know, I remember, I grew up Church of Christ, and in the Church of Christ, there's sort of a very a fundamentalist or a, a very on-the-surface interpretation of sacred Scripture, and there's also, there tends to be, uh, and I'm sure if there was someone on from Church of Christ, they might disagree with me somewhat here, but there's a divorce between the Old Testament and the God of wrath and the New Testament and the God of mercy. You know, there seems to be like a sort of a schizophrenia going on here, and I remember learning about Biblical typology from Scott Hahn and his uh, several of his early books, uh, uh, Father Who Keeps His Promises or First Comes Love. And I just remember my mind blown showing the pattern, the, how wonderfully uh, complementary these two uh, testaments are. And biblical typology in particular just utterly blew my mind seeing Isaac as a type of Christ on there being offered by his father on the very same mountain that our Lord would be offered on. And it just, I find this utterly fascinating. So let's dive into some of the biblical typologies in, in connection to the upper room, to the, to the Eucharist, to the Passover. Can you take us through some of that? Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, yeah, so Holy Thursday, obviously, two things are going on. Uh, the institution of the, the Eucharist, uh, the, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, and also the institution of the priesthood. So, for example, in John's Gospel, um, what does Jesus do that he doesn't do in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke? He washes the feet of the apostles, and he does that for two reasons. Um, one, he's doing it to for the institution of the priesthood. So, if you look in Exodus 30, or Exodus 40, um, we, we see this very clearly. So for example, let's take um, uh, Exodus 40. So what happens is, is there's the, the tent of meeting and there's the altar of sacrifice. And between the tent of meeting and the altar of sacrifice there's a laver, which is a large bowl that they use for washing. So Aaron, who's the high priest and his sons, which were Kohen in Hebrew, those the, the sons were the priests, so Aaron and his sons would, would go from the tent of meeting. They would wash their hands and their feet and then go to the altar of sacrifice. So again, they would go from the tent of meeting, wash their hands and their feet and go to the altar of sacrifice. That's what the priest did. 
Now the, the deacons, or the, they called the, the Levites, who served the high priest and the priest did not wash. And so, so we, we see this, um, Jesus at the Last Supper washes their feet because that's what the priest did before he offered the sacrifice. So that's one reason why Jesus washes the feet. The second one, he's given the model of how they're supposed to serve because the one who washed the feet was the slave. Um, when you went to someone's house, you didn't just walk into somebody's house. <laughs> you know, the, the slave, the servant came out and washed your feet. Um, and so Jesus does the same thing as a servant, washing their feet just to give them the model of how they're supposed to lead and, and serve the church. <clears throat> He's given the model of servant leadership that he himself exercised, and now he's passing it on to those first bishops and, and given the model of how they're supposed to lead the church. You know, and there's so much there, uh, and every time I go through the Holy Thursday uh, readings, my mind is still just blown thinking about how much more information, how much more data that the apostles, when listening or, or seeing this happen before their eyes, would have had than you, you and I typically have the, the the average 21st century Westerner has. We, we read these words and we just sort of keep them on the surface, but these first century Jews, their minds were literally being blown over and over and over again because they would have been a, a tremendously more familiar with these Old Testament passages, the, the prophecies and such. And they're just here questioning themselves, is, is this, could this really be? Is this truly the Messiah? I mean, I can't imagine how awestruck they would have been. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the greatest biblical studies was on the road to Emmaus, right? When, uh, when they don't recognize Jesus, he's walking along with them. And then, um, you know, he breaks open the scriptures to them. And so he, he, he probably went through all the Old Testament typological images that pointed toward him as the Christ. And he's going through each one. And, and, and you're right, their minds are being blown. They're making the connections, you know, between um, the, the Old Testament and, and the revelation of Jesus. And, um, you know, uh, that would have been amazing to be, to be there yeah. and to, to, to listen to Jesus make those connections for them is awesome. Yeah, my father has many, uh, many uh, rooms, many houses. This is a reference to the temple and the rooms which the priests lived in while they were in service during their time of service. So everything about what our Lord is saying is very priestly. It's it's all connected back to the priests uh, in the the dispensation, which is now coming to an end because our Lord has come to fulfill. The old law. It's mind blowing to me, but we're gonna we're up against a break right now. We're talking with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, uh, an international, dynamic, powerful preacher, and you can find him on his website at deaconherald.com. Book him for a talk near you. That'd be wonderful, deaconherald.com. But coming up after the break, I want to talk specifically about the typology of the Lord going into his agony in the garden with King David. We're gonna look at that in particular right after this very short break. So do me a favor. And uh, share Catholic Drive Time with a friend. We'll be right back. Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. There's a lot of depth and interesting details in the story of the woman at the well. Jesus asks a Samaritan woman for a drink while his disciples are off to buy food. And this request leads to a fascinating conversation. Jesus reveals to her that he has living water that will cause those who drink it to never thirst again. 
He also reveals that he knows the details of her personal relationships with several husbands, and even tells her, a non-Jew, that he is the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. We are told that the woman leaves her water jar at the well and goes off to tell the people in town about him. It's as if she completely abandons her important mission for water. She abandons bodily comforts for more important things. And this echoes the apostles who left behind their fishing nets to go follow Jesus. What are we willing to abandon and leave behind to follow the Lord this Lent? This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. The dynamic deacon is our guest. Uh, DeaconHerald.com is his website and uh, international Catholic evangelist and just powerful preacher. We're talking about biblical typology today. Why? Because it's cool. That's why. And I'm sure you just have not spent enough time diving into the biblical types. And welcome back to the show. And good morning to you again, Deacon Harold. Let's, Good morning, Joe. Great to be with you. Let's jump into the type of Christ in his agony in the garden. I just am so enamored with this. I think it's so cool. The parallels are amazing. We're talking about King David when one of his sons, Absalom, decided to try to uh, have a palace coup to take over his father's kingdom. Uh, and what we see here is essentially the same steps, the same elements that we will see again in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell us about this. Yeah, so uh, actually, you you know about this too, Joe, because you wrote a wonderful article about it as well. You yeah, know, so. yeah, praise be to God. It's uh, I just, I'm geeked out about it. I think it's amazing. But let's go back to... Uh, it's you can find this in Second Samuel 15. I think it's uh, chapters 15 through 17, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, there are several cool parallels here. Let's start with this. Uh, so what happens is Absalom comes to take over with his little army, and he he flips some of David's poor, very important people in his cabinet to support his claim to the throne. David doesn't want to fight his son. So David says, listen, we're going to take off. I'm going to grab my cabinet. We're going to take the important stuff, and we're going to leave. We're going to walk away. We're going to let my son uh, inhabit the the uh, the the, uh, the throne or the capital city just so we can cool things off. I don't want to have to kill my son. And then he departs. He goes at night across the Kidron Valley up to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he does so in sorrow and weeping. And that's just so. Here's some of the parallels, and I want you to comment as you see fit, Deacon Harold. It says, sure. like Peter, who swore he would die with Jesus. Remember that. Peter says, but I would die with you, Lord. Oh, you would, would you? Okay, uh-huh. I tell you, the cock won't crow three times until you've denied me, all right? You know what I'm saying? So remember that. We all remember that. Here's the parallel going back to King David, going back to 2 Samuel 15. Etai said to David, but Etai answered the king, as the Lord lives, and as my Lord, the king lives, 
wherever my Lord, the King shall be, whether for death or for life, there also will be your servant. So we see a parallel here between Peter and one, and, uh, and the, the minister closest to David, Etai, basically claiming the same thing, and that doesn't work out either. Like Jesus, uh, David and his court crossed the brook Kidron weeping, 2 Samuel 15, verse 23, and all the country wept aloud as all the people passed by, and the king crossed the brook Kidron, and all the people passed on toward the wilderness. So we see this going off in weeping and mourning, and I would say the apostles, they were kind of confused by that when Jesus did this, right? Yeah, that's right, um, because they had just left the Last Supper, and now he's going to prepare for, the, uh, for what he's about to experience the next day on Good Friday. And so he's, he's going, just like David, remember, because one of Jesus' titles is Son of David. And we also saw some <clears throat> phenomenal typological parallels in the beginning of, uh, of Jesus' life as well, you know, um, with, with, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And so now in uh, these chapters, we also see some parallels toward the end of Jesus' life as well. Yeah. Like, okay, so like Jesus, who took Peter, James, and John a little further into the Mount of Olives, and there he began to uh, be in his, his agony there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And remember the disciples were sleeping and all of that? You remember that scene? Okay, well, Second Sa- uh, Samuel chapter 15, verse 30. But David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot, and with his head covered. And all the people who were with him covered their heads, and they went up weeping as they went. So just like our Lord did, so did David before. And I would have to say that if, you know, uh, in Rod Bennett's book, we talked to him on Monday, Deacon, and he starts off that book with covering Nathaniel, right? And he points out how Nathaniel was studying this stuff. He wanted to be a scribe, a canon lawyer, so to speak. So he, he and as well as the sons of Zebedee, being disciples of, the, of John the Baptist, they would have been intimately familiar with their own history, with their own story. And I have to imagine that, like we said before the break, that the apostles are seeing this, and it's like their heads, or their minds are just exploding, thinking, oh my I'm, I'm having flashbacks to David here. Like, wh- what are we seeing? What does this mean? How is this all going to end? I mean, it just, it seems mind-blowing to me that Jesus is being so precise and specific in every action he takes along the way. Everything has meaning. I mean, I can't think of anything we read in the Gospels that is sort of twaddle, meaningless, just thrown out there, doesn't really, arbitrary, would you say? Exactly. It's like the holy sacrifice of the mass. Everything means something. Everything has purpose, you know? And, and so when we study biblical typology, we begin to unfold the purpose for why we do the things that we do as Catholics, why we, we celebrate the holy sacrifice the, of the mass as we do. Why do we say the things that we do uh, at mass? Why did Jesus um, take some of the actions that he did? You know, again, it's fulfillment of what's happening in the Old Testament. This is a beautiful example here, the parallel, because a lot of people don't think about this part of the story uh, in, in relation to David. So this is just a wonderful way of showing how God is, can, continues to reveal himself and how Christ is the fulfillment of, of that revelation of God. 
Deacon, I appreciate you mentioning that, you know, there's a lot of things in Mass, the Scripture readings, the uh, the actions of the priest, all of those things have their roots in Scripture. And I'm just wondering, you know, you know, we were talking about typology off-air yesterday, as I mentioned, but, uh, you know, all of history points to the coming of the Messiah in Jesus Christ. And, and Scripture is rife with this. This is more of like um, an esoteric question, but why do you think that the, the Jews at the time who lived at the time of Christ, who understood the Scriptures a little bit better than we did, uh, why, why didn't they make the connection? <clears throat> Excuse me. Because they were, they were looking for um, the type of Messiah that Jesus was. They were looking for someone that was going to liberate them from, from Rome, mm. from the Roman forces, and reestablish Israel as the land for the for the for the Hebrew people, and so um, and plus they weren't looking for somebody who said he was God either, you know. Because remember, Jesus says before Abraham was, I am right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am who I am. So he calls himself God, the same name that God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. So they weren't expecting that. He wasn't the type of Messiah that they were expecting or looking for, and that's why they didn't really listen. To him, I mean, they they heard him, but they didn't listen to him. Yeah, uh, this parallel goes on. Like Jesus, whose disciple, friend, and advisor betrayed him. Think think Judas here. So it was with David. Second Samuel fifteen verse thirty one. And it was told David that Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, "O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness." But you might remember, like we said a minute ago during our gospel reflection, Judas, he basically uh, committed suicide, right? After he betrayed the Lord when he was completely uh, wrong about his his dealings with our Lord and the Jews. Uh, so like Judas, who hatched the plan to lead the large cohort out at night to capture our Lord, to strike the shepherd, to scatter the flock and arrest Jesus, so Ahithophel hatched a plan, uh, starting now in uh, chapter 17, verse 1 of Second Samuel. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men, and I will set out and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic, and all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down the king only, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace. And the advice pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. So again, there's even a type here of Judas in the Passion of David. Isn't that mind-blowing? Oh, that, that that's amazing. <clears throat> and we see, again, he was David wasn't the type of king that what well, he was considered the greatest king in the history of Israel because he was the one who did not worship another god, did not worship a false god. Now, David wasn't perfect. Remember Bathsheba, right? But but he was the one that didn't follow a false god. Um, and, and so we see here that we see some, I mean, just the human nature, right? You know, um, they, they want to make Absalom king. And so there's a conspiracy, you know, um, just, just, just again, part of that human nature, yeah. um, you know, to, to, to kind of um, subvert the plans of God and, uh, and, let, and, and let your human feelings get in the way of God's purpose. Yeah. And so we see that, that same thing here. Now in 2 Samuel 17, Ahithophel, uh, when, the, when the plot is, is overturned, when when David, when Absalom is unsuccessful in his uh, attempt to 
to take over power, Ahithophel goes and sets his house in order and commits suicide by hanging. So he fulfills this, I mean, he really is a type of Judas to come. And then, of course, we see David himself in 2 Samuel 16 uh, going up, and he's being, uh, he's being harassed. He's being, they're yelling and cursing at him, and his men want to go over and slay the people who are cursing him. And David's like, no. Don't do it. We can't return evil for evil. We must return evil for good in 2 Samuel 16. So we see all these parallels. And how does the story end? Absalom dies hanging from a tree. I mean, it's yeah. just, it should, it should be mind-blowing, which reminds me that I think our Lord here is trying to communicate to his own apostles. There is something greater about to happen than even King David and you should know this. It's kind of like, you know, when our, our Lord says from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As if the apostles, as if Our Lady did not know the rest of that psalm. Of course they did. Of course they did. Deacon Harold, thanks for your insight today. Very grateful to you. God bless you. Thank you, Joe. Great to be with you, my friend. Check them out online, deaconherald.com. Book them for a parish. If you're a parish priest or a, like a mission or talk at a conference, Deacon Harold. Dot com. God love you. God bless you. That's going to do it for hour number one. We'll see you in hour number two. If you can, join us online, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. By the way, tomorrow, only one hour tomorrow, and then no show on Friday. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. in my life and I'm energized by new adventures I've got friends to laugh with and a good relationship but even though I'm kind of comfortable I sometimes wonder is there something more could God in church be what you're looking for come and see at catholicscomehome.com Men, it's time. The Men's March to End Abortion and Rally for Personhood is Saturday, June 11th, the weekend before Father's Day, from 12 to 3 p.m. in Tallahassee, Florida. Men gather at 12 p.m. for the march. All women, children, and families join us for the 2 p.m. rally at the Florida State Capitol. You are needed. Every life matters. Join us on June 11th in Tallahassee. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. It's okay for Lent to be a struggle. Christ never promised us fame, riches, or happiness in this life, but rather suffering, poverty, and sacrifice. The desert of Lent helps us discern the need for God. 
we must realize in most cases the desert is more of a path than it is a place for us to live. If we follow in the path of Christ, that is, in his way of the cross, we find not a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns. We must first die if we wish to be reborn. Moses and the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years, and Jesus fasted and was tempted in the desert for 40 days. The 40 days of Lent are a time of trial and purification. This Lent, let's leave everything to God, especially if everything seems to be going wrong. This is Matt Maloney from KnowTheFaith.net. to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. It is Spy Wednesday, April the 13th, 2022. And we just wrapped up a great conversation with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, the dynamic deacon, about the passion of King David versus the passion of our Lord and King of Kings, our Savior Jesus Christ, from 2 Samuel 15 through 17. Good stuff. Oh, so good stuff. A typology in general. You know, dive into sacred scripture. There's so much good stuff there. And it's just underneath the surface. you got to dig a little deep. But it's worth every ounce of effort because it'll just enrich your, your life and your understanding of the gospel narratives. But at any rate, so you can catch the podcast of that if you weren't able to tune in on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Or you can also find us on the, the Google Play Store, the iTunes Store, Spotify, wherever wherever, wherever else you listen to your podcast, you could also get it right on our Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app, which is free in your iTunes or your Google Play app store. Just download the GRN, the Guadalupe Radio Network app, and you can listen to the Catholic Drive Time podcast straight in the app, as well as listen to your local GRN station, get your contact information and all the rest. It's very good stuff. Download the GRN app today. Uh, all right, so I want to housekeeping real quick. Today is the last full show for the week, okay? So we're going to actually do Fear and Trembling at 15 past and give out the prize today. So if you want a chance to win the prize, you got to call in today. So be ready for that. Tomorrow, there will only be one hour of Catholic Drive Time. There will be a special Stations of the Cross being played in this hour tomorrow morning. And then on Friday, it's going to be special programming for the Triduum. So we won't be here on Friday at all. So uh, just so you know. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Wow. You know, what I was thinking about earlier this week, Holy Week is just the finishing line, and sometimes we're tempted just to kind of jump mm-hmm, ahead and mm-hmm, think, man, mm-hmm. Easter's just right around the corner. Yeah. And we just kind of get lax, but wow, the Tritium is, is about to start. I'm yeah. so excited for that. Are you are you doing any of the uh, Tritium events? Yes. We're going to do a Tenebrae. Uh, Tenebrae, And yeah, then nice. we're going to, obviously, Friday, Good Friday, you know, mm-hmm. of course, is a, a big day for everybody. We're going to be, obviously, going to our parish during the day and spending a lot of time there. 
And then, uh, of course, uh, Holy Saturday and Easter. We're going to go to Easter Sunday Mass. Wow. Easter nice. Sunday morning. We're not going to go oh, to the okay. vigil. Are you going to go to the vigil? Uh, I would like to, but it's just difficult with the baby. So. Yeah, it's tough. Maybe next year. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Speaking of vigils, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos, staying up all night. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? And it's going to be good to be uh, going to that uh, pre-55 liturgy in a couple days. I'm going to try to get out to either... I heard a brown... I heard uh, there's a there's a couple churches mm-hmm. in uh, Louisiana, like the Institute of Christ the King. Like, where is that? Uh, that is going to be in... I'm forgetting what city in Louisiana. It's uh, not Lafayette? Uh, not Lafayette, not New Orleans. It's another city, and I'm not remembering the top of my head. Nope, definitely not Baton Rouge. <laughs> no. uh, but Alexandria? Uh, no. Uh, I'm running but, out. I'm running but, out. But uh, they're going to have at the Lake Institute Charles? of Christ the King, Lake Charles maybe. It might be Lake Charles. Okay. Uh, they're going to have a pre-55 liturgy there for Holy Week for the Triduum, and so I'm going to try to make it out there for that. You know what else they I'm have near Lake it. Charles? A best stop. And you know what you can get a best stop, right? Nothing because it's a Triduum. Alligator. No. Some of the best. Boudin. Crackling. Oh, and they make these boudin balls that have Can't like that jalapeno and cheese in them, <laughs> and they're just so yummy. They're so good. They're so, so good. It's uh, fasting and abstinence for the triduum. Just don't eat them until Easter Sunday morning. Just buy them and they, they give you a cooler. They'll put, they'll put in a little foam cooler for you. <laughs> just it brings them back for me. You, bring you it back mind. an alligator. Yes. Alligator po' boy. Woo. Yes, sir. I'll no, take it. I, I want an actual alligator. You, you are well. Yes. Hunting season starts soon. Oh, <laughs> uh, that sounds fun. Praise be to God. But we'll keep us up to date. Let us know if you actually uh, gonna get to make that. That'll be cool. Hey, Lisa Squibbs has taken today to pray, to fast, and to do penance. And uh, she's also asked us to pray for the repose of her father, who died suddenly on Saturday, Michael Garut. So please do keep him in your prayer. Pray for his repose. Michael Garut is his name. And Lisa and the family would be so very grateful. So thank you again, Lisa, for praying for us. We're going to jump in. We have a lot to cover in this first half hour. Plus, we have our after show as well. Let's, let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here's your good news for the day. Epic Times reports, woman baffles doctors after she wakes up from being locked in her body following a brain bleed. For the husband of a Superfit Park Run founder, was described the, described the terrifying moment his wife became locked in her body following a massive bleed on her in her brain, or on her brain. Adam Green, who's 44, said his active wife Kate could only communicate by blinking after she suffered a brain hemorrhage that left her completely paralyzed. The 42-year-old mom of one's ordeal began after she arrived home from the local pool with her son Stanley. Adam said that Kate, a public health specialist in Rotterdam Council, had first complained of a headache one evening. I greeted her at the door, he said. And she said, Adam, I feel really funny. Adam took Kate upstairs and put her on the bed where she lay in the fetal position. By 6 p.m., 10 minutes after she got home, she couldn't move. She'd lost the ability to speak, and she was frothing at the mouth. Kate was rushed to a nearby hospital. Doctors told the devastated husband that Kate got a pontine brain hemorrhage, and they couldn't operate on her as the risk outweighed the benefits. 
That night, they asked Adam to call her family, telling him to expect the worst when they switched off her ventilator the next day. However, incredibly, when medics finally shut off the life support system, Kate opened her eyes and regained consciousness. Over the following week, speech therapists tried to determine the extent of Kate's brain function, asking her to move her eyes if she knew what they were saying. She replied yes or no by looking up and down, and she couldn't look left or right. That's the only function her entire body had, Adam said. I kind of felt, well, her mind's there. She just appears to be locked in. When she started flickering her fingers, it was like a miracle, he said. If they, that had been the only thing that came back, I would've, it would have been all right, but then her toes started moving a bit. Her left side came back quickly once she had that initial movement, and her leg is really strong now. In the month of March, Kate learned to lift her arm above her head and could speak. Adam set up a GoFundMe page to raise money to send Kate, who founded Rotherdom Park Run in 2013, to a specialist clinic where she can continue her incredible rehabilitation. And that's really good news. God love you. The saint of the day is Pope St. Martin and St. Hermengild. Pope St. Martin I was elected Pope in 649. Martin I had gotten into trouble for refusing to condone silence in the face of wrong. At that time, there existed a popular heresy that held that Christ did not have a human will, but only a divine will. This was condemned at a council convened by Martin I. The council affirmed once again that since Jesus had two natures, human and divine, he thus had two wills, human and divine. The council then went further and condemned Emperor Constance's edict to remain silent about the controversy, stating, The Lord commanded us to shun evil and do good, but not to reject the good with the evil. In his anger at this slap in the face, the emperor sent his soldiers to Rome to bring the pope to him. When Martin I arrived in Constantinople after a long voyage, he was immediately put into prison. There he spent three months in a filthy freezing cell where he suffered from dysentery. He was not allowed to wash and given the most disgusting food. And after he was condemned to treason, he was imprisoned for another three months without defense. From there, he was exiled to the Crimea, where he suffered from famine. But the hardest thing to take was the fact that the Pope found himself friendless. His letters tell how his own church had deserted him and his friends had forgotten him. He died two years later in exile in the year 656, a martyr who stood up for the right of the church to establish doctrine even in the face of imperial power. Saint Herman Gill, the prince of the Visigothic Spain and martyr, was a son of Leo Givild, the king of Spain, and was raised as an Arian. His wife converted him from that heresy, and he rebelled against his father, but was defe defeated in 584 and exiled. His death was later celebrated as a martyrdom because he was a Catholic martyr rebelling against the tyranny of Arianism. When Herman Gild refused to accept Arianism, he was imprisoned in Toledo. And during his captivity in Seville, an Arian bishop was sent to him for Easter, but he would not accept the Eucharist from him. King Leo Vigild ordered him to be beheaded, and he was executed on the 13th of April, 585. Pope St. Martin and St. Hermengild pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 25. One of the twelve who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that time on he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. 
On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says my appointed time draws near. In your house I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to him one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, said in reply, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysostom would say, uh, or he justly remarks, that the patience and reserve of our Lord, who by his great meekness and self-possession, under the extremes of ingratitude, injustice, and blasphemy, shows how we ought to bear with the malice of others and forget all personal injuries. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. Golly Jewist, there's a lot to learn there, huh? Let's meditate upon forgiving and being tolerant as our Lord has been so tolerant of all of us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, a number of things from Cornelius Lapide. He really hammers Judas in this segment, in this section. He says one thing, hammering both Judas and Calvin, sold for much 300 denarii as Mark has. Judas meant to say that this ointment ought not to have been used for luxury and pleasure upon the head of Christ, but ought to have been poured into the lap of many poor to relieve their wants. This is the opinion of Calvin who lest anyone should make use of the example of Mary Magdalene to approve funeral honors in the way of lights, incense, and other like observances, says this action of hers must neither be approved nor imitated, but only defended, as done by a special inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But who cannot see that the spirit of Judas and Calvin are identical, and that the same Satan speaks by Calvin, who erst spake by Judas, whom Christ proceeds to confute." Now, what is he saying here? He's saying that the Calvinists were saying you should not have lights and incense and candles and all these funeral honors when you're, whenever people are being buried. No, no, no. You have to keep things simple and everything needs to be very bland. And Cornelius Lapide is saying, well, he is distorting the gospel. The Calvin is saying that, yes, we have to defend Mary Magdalene because, I mean, it's in Scripture, so we got to do it. But she, she's an exception to the rule. And then the other thing that Cornelius Lapide here says is, how absurd is it for a Judas to look and say the, the ointment here is value, valued at 300 denarii? And yet what does he do? He turns around and sells our Lord, the God of the universe, for 30 pieces of silver. And just as Fulton Sheen would say, never has divinity been sold at such low a price. It's an amazing thing to think about. Cornelius Lapide goes on, and I'd highly encourage you to check it out. He basically goes in and says, based on the time period, this is how much it'd be worth. And he basically says that it would be worth like 
30 shekels and today's and then his times uh, Spanish money. That's an incredible thing to think about. And finally, let's contemplate the errors of Judas. The fact that Satan entered into him. Mm. Let not Satan enter enter into us during this triduum. Let's keep our eyes focused on Christ. Amen. Thank you, Cornelius Alapade. We appreciate that greatly. All right, it's time to go to break. We're going to come back. We're going to play our game show, Fear and Trembling, which means, well, it's Wednesday, I know, but it's special because tomorrow we have no second hour and Friday we're not on at all. So today we're going to give out prizes. So today's that day. That phone number is 877-757-9424. If you'd like to try your hand at prizes today, 877-757-9424. Call now, 877-757-9424. Giving out prizes and fear and trembling. All that is coming up right after this very short break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. But do us a favor while we're at break. Share us with a friend. We'd be very grateful to you. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio, learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10, do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and you're not supposed to tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. You got to keep this between us. 
That's the deal. Number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, and our callers are certifiably amazing. They laugh with us. They're great sports. We enjoy that most. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved. And the he- the deal is I have uh, three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I will not be asking our caller the questions, so they don't need to know any of the correct answers, and they could still win, because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and Adrian, one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then, of course, every correct answer goes into the original, authentic coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And today we're going to pull a winner and we're going to announce that live on the radio. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. We have a return sponsor this week. It's Catholic Printing Press. Thank you very much. Catholic, Catholic Printing Press. They work to recover, restore, and reproduce the forgotten holy cards of the past contemplative age of our church. And they pray that their new and upcoming projects will edify and help sustain the prayer lives of the laity. Please consider visiting their website at catholicprintingpress.com. They're generously sponsoring the game show with a variety of prayer cards. And let me tell you, these aren't your mom's prayer cards. These are probably your great-grandmother's prayer cards. These are the beautiful prayer cards that they don't make anymore, uh, probably printed on a press. And uh, they're, they're amazing. They're heirlooms. So check out their website, catholicprintingpress.com. Die cut and oh, just yeah. crafted to uh, to beauty and uh, and impressiveness. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, catholicprintingpress.com, for your generous gift giving out prizes this week. Let's go to the phones. Russ, good morning to you. Good morning. How y'all doing? Praise be to God. I am alive, and that counts. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Wonderful. Where, you, work. where are you calling from, Russ? San Antonio, Texas. The great city of San Antonio. You know, Russ, San Antonio is not just great because I grew up there. Okay, I just want you to know that right out of the gate. Okay. It has other reasons for also being great. Where do you go to church? I go to Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Praise be to God. Are are you familiar with the rules, Russ? Do you know how this all works? Yes. All right. So you sound very confident, like you're ready to go. Are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready ready to roll. Let's do this. We will start with Rudy, as is our custom, our patrimony, our tradition here. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Maybe I should put away the papal grandeur until after Lent. Is that called for? No papal grandeur until after Lent? I think so. Okay. And you, okay. by the way, you only get to see that if you watch our live feeds. That's true. That's true. Hey, <laughs> hey, Rudy, are you ready? I'm so ready, Joe. All right. Are I'm you sure? I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah well, it's, so. uh, it's not opposite days. Let's it? start off with a with an easy one. Okay. Okay. All right. What mass or liturgy uh, in... Okay, what mass liturgy in which host is not to be consecrated? So that's a weirdly oddly, oddly worded question. Let me restate <laughs> this. What mass or liturgy, What? when does this happen when there is no consecration of the host? Okay, happens one time out of the year. One time of the year. Happens this week. Does it? Good Friday. Good Friday is and the day, you say. traditionally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the lady did not receive the pre-consecrated host from Thursday on Good Friday. They didn't? No. Wow. So they had to abstain. Yes. Whoa. Okay. So you're saying Good Friday's your answer. That's correct. All right, Russ, let's see what Adrian says. Hey, Adrian. 
Turn, turn my mic turn on. Your mic on. <laughs> Can you tell me which mass, what day of the year happens when there is no consecration at the Holy Liturgy? Which mass there's no consecration at the Holy Liturgy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. that would be Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Tough choices. That's also coming up this week. This is coming up. All right, Russ, you got a choice here. There's one day a week when there is no consecration in Holy Mass. Is that... One day a year. One day a week. What did I say? One day, one day a week. One day a year. There's only one day a year, a calendar year, when there is no consecration at Holy Mass. Is it Holy Saturday, as Adrian seems to think, or is it Good Friday, as Rudy seems to think? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Russ, what say you? Rudy. 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 <laughs> I like Russ. Well said, so wise. Well said. That is I a guess. You, that's right. You've obviously seen the film, all right, Russ. You've seen Rudy. Yes, yes. Uh, well, it's a great. It's a good movie. Great film. Love that film. All right. Praise God. You're in for one. You could win. It's possible. Let's see if we can't double your chances today. This next one. I think be it's the easy. Question. What? I. It's easily. It hardly the easiest. No, hardly the... Anyway, let's just ask. Let's go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me what does triduum mean? What does triduum mean? Tri, the, the, the prefix tri mm-hmm. is three. Okay. And duum refers mm-hmm. to days, so it's the three days. Really? Yep. Really. Dumb refers to days. Dumb, dumb. So tree, tri, dumb means three days. Doom. Okay. Okay. Definitely doesn't come from the German because Doom sounds... has a different meaning in German. Doom? Yeah. Doesn't mean that? days. Okay. What does that mean? Doom come? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dumbhead? Yes. <laughs> All right, let's see what uh, Ru- Rudy has to say here. Rudy, can you tell me what does triduum mean? Okay, so uh, it actually means glowing. Really? Yeah, and that's why they named Whoa. the element tritium. Uh, oh, Because wow. it glows. Glowing. Yeah. Means you're saying your answer is glowing? Yeah, glowing. It means glowing. Glowing. Because yeah, these days, man, they're glowing. They put a glow on you. Do they? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Russ. Here's the deal. Uh, is it as uh, Rudy seems to think triduum means glowing, or is it as Adrian seems to think triduum means the three days? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Russ, what say you? Hey, Adrian. <laughs> you gotta scream it more, I think. You gotta you also gotta you can't pronounce all the syllables. It just, oh, you gotta like smash it all together. Well done, Russ. Well done. You're in for two. You can make a perfect score out of this. I mean, phew, this is looking good for you, Russ. Praise be to God. All right, last question. We're gonna go back to Rudy again. Rudy? Hmm. I'm going to say, out of all three, this should be the hardest. Okay. Here we go. How is fasting observed in this season? This season right now? Yeah. This Lenten Mm -hmm. season, the season of penance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The season of self-mortification? Yeah. Well, it's fasting and abstinence, which is traditionally observed through the tritium. Okay, which we the now glowing, know doesn't the, mean glowing. The non-glowing tradition. Because when you're fasting and abstaining, you're it's, probably not glowing. It's not an FBI agent. Online. Okay, you're probably pale and like yeah. emaciated. Yep. Definitely not glowing. Definitely. Okay. Let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me how is fasting observed in this season? 
Well, fasting is, uh, you know, they have to do it on Fridays. That's about it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's all? Fridays and Lent. Just, just Fridays and Lent. Yeah. That's it. So your answer is just fasting yeah. on Fridays and Lent. And technically, Lent. the triduum isn't in Lent. It's the triduum. So it's, it's not. Separate. So you don't have to. You don't have okay. to fast mm-hmm. at all during okay. the triduum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Russ. Well, I think this is a tricky one, personally. But we'll see. Uh, Adrian seems to think fasting is observed by just fasting on Fridays, and that's it. And triduum, eh, doesn't really matter. Whereas Rudy seems to think fasting and abstinence is traditionally observed during the triduum, the three days we spoke of earlier. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Russ, what say you? I'm going to have to go with Rudy. You're going to have to? (laughs) He's going to have to. Oh, one win for Team Rudy. <laughs> Praise be to God. Congratulations, All Russ. Right. Perfect score. You did not fall for it. You're in for three. Congratulations. Russ. It may or may not be God's holy will that you'll win, though. We'll Russ, have to you're, see. you're in here, my friend. All right. I'm shuffling. Okay. I'm every shuffling. day? Every day. Not every day. Not during the tritium. <laughs> All right. I have it in my hand. Mm-hmm. It's Russ. 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 <laughs> you did it, buddy. Yeah. Congratulations, Russ. Wait, why are we playing Adrian again? That was okay. <laughs> well, Russ, congratulations. You won. Thank you for playing our game, sir. Praise be God. Thank you, guys. May God bless you guys. May God bless you. And uh, if we don't see you sooner, we're going to put you on hold so we get your information to send you the, the, the prize. But have a great and wonderful Triduum. And happy Easter to you and your family, Russ. Thank you, and y'all too. God bless you. Thank you all for joining us. We're so grateful to you. That's going to do it for the second hour today and for the rest of the week. Tomorrow, we're just going to do the first hour only. There'll be the Stations of the Cross with Mother Angelica playing in this hour. But if you want to hang out with us in the after show, please do. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. God bless you. See you tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Wednesday of Holy Week. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. All glory, Lord, and honor to you, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. Thou art the King of Israel, thou David's royal Son, 
who in the Lord's name comest, the King and Blessed One. All glory, Lord, and honor to you, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty, Almighty God, God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask Blessed Mary, have a virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who willed your Son to submit for our sake to the yoke of the cross, so that you might drive from us the power of the enemy. Grant us, your servants, to attain the grace of the resurrection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning, he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard. My face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help, therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. He is near who upholds my right. If anyone wishes to oppose me, let us appear together. Who disputes my right? Let him confront me. See, the Lord God is my help, who will prove me wrong. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. For your sake I bear insult, and shame covers my face. I have become an outcast to my brothers, a stranger to my mother's sons, because zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who blaspheme you fall upon me. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Insult has broken my heart, and I am weak. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For consolers, not one could I find. Rather, they put gall in my food, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. 
Lord, in your great love, answer me. I will praise the name of God in song, and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. See, you lowly ones, and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the poor, and his own who are in bonds he spurns not. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Hail to you, our King, obedient to the Father. You were led to your crucifixion like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that time on he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the feast and unleavened bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says my appointed time draws near. In your house I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to him one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, said in reply, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today is... Spy Wednesday, that Jesus or Judas offered, was offered thirty pieces of silver, to spy in on the Apostolic College, to ascertain the best time to take Jesus down, to arrest him. It is one of the most somber moments in the church's year, and it is good today to reflect on Jesus's response. Archbishop Fulton Sheen said that in his book, A Priest is Not His Own, he said that Jesus gives the look to every priest, the same look he gave to St. Peter after he had betrayed him, a look of consummate compassion in the face of infidelity, a look of consummate kindness and tenderness in the face of our human weakness. 
I always thought this was a, a strange thing for Archbishop Fulton Sheen to say, but it seems so true that the way that Jesus gazes upon his church is the same gaze that he gave from the cross. While he was weeping tears of blood for his beloved bride, he was looking upon her and all the sins, even through all of the sins that he could see throughout the ages, with consummate tenderness and mercy. And this is the gaze that he asks us to look upon the church and, and upon, indeed, upon every human being. This is the eyes of Christ. Let us ask on this Holy Wednesday that we would have this same kind of disposition. The person who helps us do this is the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother is someone whose hand you want to hold extra tight during the Paschal Triduum. She is the interior instructress of the Paschal Mystery. She is the one who can show us how to follow and keep pace with Jesus, to walk with him, to go to allow ourselves to go with him overnight as we go the uh, visit the churches on, on Holy Thursday in the different sanctuaries and in a sign of, of Jesus' arrest, to be able to gaze upon the empty tabernacle, the most horrifying sight that you can imagine, but it is a good thing we need to look at every year to see what the, 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 how the Jesus is present, even in his absence, or by his absence, he shows us a particular kind of presence in our, in our midst, uh, one of that, that open heart, that, that broken heart toward, you know, the, the gift of the Eucharist. We are ungrateful for it, but teaching us nonetheless gratitude for what we do have. And then on Good Friday, when we have the sufferings of Christ and to, to really allow ourselves to enter as deep as possibly, possibly can to the reading of the Passion, to let it be read into our bones, to let it be read into our very soul. This is the moment where the church experiences its greatest annual rejuvenation. It's like a transfusion of divine love into the church where their whole church becomes resurrected again on Easter Vigil, on Saturday, and especially on the Sunday octave, the octave of resurrection, which is also an octave of divine mercy. And I encourage you to begin that divine mercy chaplet uh, that, that uh, you know, the, uh, the, the novena begins on Good Friday through the Paschal Mystery into the to Divine Mercy Sunday, that we see that all of this, all of the things that happen to us, all the things that happen to the church, even in the, the worst moments of, of the Paschal mystery, the sufferings of Christ, are for the glorification of God's mercy. And that is what the gaze of Jesus does towards Judas, towards Peter, towards all. It is, in the end, it is all about mercy. We bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church in this most somber time of the Paschal Mystery celebration that we may with loving open hearts follow Christ through his passion. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, that they may receive the gaze of Jesus and be the gaze of Jesus toward the world. 
For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders, for peace in our times. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. In a special way, we pray for all lost souls that we may also recognize Jesus in his disguise of human misery. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us. We make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our blessed Mother Mary as we pray. Hail, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Vexilla regis prodeunt, Fulge crucis mysterium, Quo carne carnis conditor, Suspensus es patibulo, Quo vuneratus in super, Mugrone diro lance, Ud nos lavare crimine, Manavitunda et sanguine. Arbor decora et fugida, Ornata regis purpura, Electa dinos tipite, Tam sancta membra tangere. Amen. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Receive, O Lord, we pray, the offerings made here, and graciously grant that celebrating your Son's passion and mystery, we may experience the grace of its effects through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For the days of his saving passion and glorious resurrection are approaching, by which the pride of the ancient foe is vanquished, and the mystery of our redemption in Christ is celebrated. Through him the host of angels adores your majesty, rejoices in your presence forever. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in one chorus of exultant praise as we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in Excelsis, Benedictus, 
qui penit in domine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you have summoned in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. 
Grow him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Perceptis salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, secut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Communion Antiphon. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Adoro te devote, latens deitas, 
Que subis figuris vere latitas, tibi secor meum totum subjicit, quia te contemplans totum deficit. Jesus tactus gustus in te falitur, sed auditus solo tuto creditur. Credo quid quid dehi filius, Nil hoc verbo veritatis verius. In cruce la tebat sola deitas, Adic latet simul et humanitas. Ambo tamen credens arque confitens, peto quod petivit latro penitens. Plaga sicutomas non intueor, Deum tamen meum te confiteor. Fac me tibi semper magis credere. In te spem habere te diligere. Amen. Let us pray. Endow us, Almighty God, with the firm conviction that through your Son's death and time, to which the revered mysteries bear witness, we may be assured of perpetual life through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Bow down for the blessing. Grant your faithful, O Lord, we pray, to partake unceasingly of the Paschal Mysteries and to await with longing the gifts to come, that persevering in the sacraments of their rebirth, they may be led by Lenten works to newness of life. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Hail, Redeemer, King divine, priest and lamb, the throne is thine. King whose reign shall never cease, Prince of everlasting peace. Angels, saints, and nations sing, Praised be Jesus Christ our King, Lord of The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. is a 